Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the river. have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Kings. That's where we're going to pick up uh, the message this morning. And uh, I'm going to finish up uh, what I began last week uh, on uh, the anointing, talking to you about the anointing this morning. Uh, For those of you who may not have been with us last week, let me just uh, quickly bring you up to speed as we we look at uh, this morning's message, just a jar of oil. Uh, The anointing, what is the anointing? The anointing is that supernatural empowerment from God. It's the, it's the little extra something that we need to take our natural gifts to a whole nother level. God has equipped every single person in this room with some gifts. You have some talents. You have some skills. You have some abilities. You have some things that God, when He formed you and created you, He created you with a purpose in mind. And with that purpose in mind, He also equipped you for that purpose. Now, for us to really... Uh, do the things that God is asking us to do, it requires faith because it's always bigger than what our natural ability is able to do, right? You attempt things uh, to do big things for God without God involved in the process, you're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face because you need Him. It's about partnership. It's about His cooperation with you and your cooperation with Him. And so as we continue on in our series, Nothing More, Nothing Less, uh, let's, let's finish this morning uh, just a jar of oil. Would you help me pray as, as we prepare for what God has for us today? Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the sense that we feel that you are up to something in this house today. God, I praise you that you are stirring the hearts of every person in this place. You are preparing the soil for the seed that's about to be imparted to them. Lord, get me ready to receive what you have in store for me today. Get rid of anything that would stop that from happening today. Lord, I want to be different when I leave this place. And everybody that's in agreement with that, say amen. 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 Last week I shared with you the story from our text about the widow and her sons. Uh, the story is this lady, she comes, she's lost her husband. They have a huge amount of debt. They got a problem. So she don't know what's going to happen because she can't pay the debt and someone, the creditor, is coming to take her sons as slave. They're going to work this debt off. They're going to be that individual's indentured servants from uh, the point now until they are able to pay that debt off completely. So she comes to the the prophet, Elisha, and she says, look, I got a problem here. I need some help. Anybody need some help this morning? Sometimes we need a little help. And so as we look at our story, let me just recap quickly uh, the things that we spoke of last week. I told you that I believe everyone who is a child of God has an anointing on their life. You have an anointing on your life. You have something that God has called you to do. You have something that God has equipped you for. And there is an anointing to do that if you will tap into that. It's about submission. It's about surrender. It's about letting God have His way in your life. It's not about your will, but it's about His will. Amen? We've been equipped to fulfill His purpose, and and the anointing is that extra something we need that when coupled with our natural gifts, takes those gifts to a whole nother level. 
whole other level. I also told you that the amount of anointing you have in your life is directly proportional to the amount of anointing you make room for. The amount of anointing in your life is a proportional to the amount of anointing you make room for. We've got to make some room for God. We've got to expand ourselves a little bit. Get rid of stuff that's in the way of our lives and allow God to fill that empty space in us. If we will make room for Him, He will fill the space. This woman, as we, we look at the text, my first point was that we are anointed to change our world. I believe that each and every one of you are anointed to change your world. I didn't say anointed to change the world, your world. God has given you a sphere of influence. He's given you a realm, a dominion, if you will, in which to operate. And it is your job to operate in that sphere of influence, that place, and to change that situation. Christians should be impacting their job market. Christians should be impacting their homes. Christians should be impacting the relationships in their life, and they should be changing those relationships toward God. Somebody say amen. Amen. The woman goes to Elisha. She shares her problem. She's looking for a solution to the problem, and Elisha asks her two questions. He asks her first this. He says, what do you want me to do? He's forcing her to think, I told you. He's moving her towards a place of desperation. It makes her question, is this guy not going to help me? I'm coming, I'm desperate. I need need some solutions in my life now. I need somebody to come here and help me figure out. I've already exhausted my resources. I've already done everything that I need to do. And he asked her this question, pushing her further into desperation. How desperate are we this morning for what we want God to do in our lives. I told you that desperation is the most fertile ground for the miraculous because when we get desperate, we're willing to listen, we're willing to obey, we're willing to act, and we're willing to believe. I got no other choice. I'm desperate for something this morning. The second thing he asks her is this. He says, what do you got in your house? She says, nothing, just a jar of oil. And the second point that I made last week was you have what you need. God has already put in you the things that you need to do and deal with whatever you're facing in your life. He's got it in you. It's all inside, J.C. Penney says. Amen? It's all inside. You have been equipped to do what God has called you to do. You've been equipped to deal with the problem and situation that is facing you today. There is no lack in His kingdom, and you have what you need. From here, He tells her, He says, Go and borrow some vessels. Borrow empty vessels, don't borrow just a few. And the third point that I made last week was this, that the measure of your faith is expressed in the passion of your obedience. The measure of your faith is expressed in the passion of your obedience. What kind of miracle do you want this morning? So let's pick up our story again in verse 2. And I'm going to go quickly through the first couple of verses here because I want to get into the meat of what uh, today's message is about. Verse 2 says this. It says, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? And she says, I don't have anything, just a jar of oil. He's moving her to desperation because here's the deal. Some of the best things in life are birthed in a season of desperation. Some of the best things in your life are birthed out of desperation. Great companies are built because men got desperate for something different in their life. They went out on the edge and they begin to walk by faith and believe that something would happen in their life and greatness comes from being desperate. The miraculous works in that area. 
We have to believe God to do some things in our life if we expect Him to ever do some things in our life. We need that. When I'm desperate, when I'm desperate, I make myself ready for change. If what you're doing right now is working, then don't mess with it. But if what you're doing right now needs some tweaking, if what you're doing right now is not making you happy, if what you're doing right now is not leading you to the joy and the blessing and the life that God promises you in, your, in His Word, then it's time to get desperate for some change. I'm hungry for God to do something big in my life. I'm hungry for God to do something big in our church. I'm hungry for God to do something big in our community. How desperate are we? What fertile ground have we created for God to do the miraculous in? Desperation creates that. Revival's birthed out of desperation. New vision, new life, new opportunities, great successes and victories. All birthed out of desperation. We don't have what we need and what we desire because oftentimes we're not desperate enough to go get it. Let me say that again. We don't have what we need or what we desire because we are oftentimes not desperate enough to go and get it. I can live with what I've got. I can be satisfied and content with what I have. He goes on to say, what do you got in your house? She says, I've just got a jar of oil. That's all I've got. I've already sold my stuff. I've tried to pay this debt off. It's bigger than my resources can provide for me. What do you have to work with? I've got a jar. Well, what can you do with this jar? Well, I can pour and I can receive. I can pour in and I can pour out with the jar. That's, that's all the jar's good for. What do you have in the jar? Well, I've got some oil. What can we do with the oil? Well, we can sell the oil. Okay, so let me get this straight. Elisha's talking to this woman. He says, okay, here's the deal. You can pour with the jar and you can sell the oil. All's we need now is God to show up in this situation and begin to multiply the oil and our problem is solved. We often stop and say, and I mentioned this last week, we stop at that point and we say, well, but I can't multiply the oil. Your job's not to multiply. Your job is to pour. God's job is to multiply. I've just got what I've got. And it's not spectacular all by itself. But when God comes on the scene and God takes the mediocre thing that I have in my life, just a jar of oil, and begins to pour it out, He multiplies it. He causes miracles to happen as a result of that. I've just got to pour. I don't have to think about anything else. I don't have to do anything else except what He tells me to do. And then if I step out in faith, begin to pour, then God begins to do the multiplying. Verse 3 goes on to say, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels, empty vessels. If you have that in your Bible, underline it, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Elisha asked questions to move her desperation. Are you desperate for a miracle? Now he gives a directive to measure her faith. I ask questions. God asks us questions. Oftentimes, we ask God something and he asks us something in return. You know, Job, here's a guy that, he's struggling. He's got some serious issues going on. His wife's died, his kids have died, all of his animals have died. He's got bulls all over his body. It's not a pretty picture. It's getting ugly. And he begins to ask God, what is the deal? Have I not served you? Have I not fallen? And God turns around and gives a million questions back to him. Why does God ask us questions? 
He never asks us questions for information. He asks questions to move us to revelation and desperation. He's trying to wake us up. Who am I in your life is what he's really saying. What can I do in this situation? And then after that he moves and gives us directions. He gives a directive to measure her faith. How much faith do you have? Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. The woman woman in our text thinks she is gathering pots. But I've come to tell you this morning that what she is actually doing is she's gathering faith. She thinks she is gathering pots. Go gather some vessels. Go get some containers. Go find some stuff that we can pour oil into. And she's going to all of her neighbors and she thinks she is gathering pots. But what she is actually doing is she is gathering faith for the miracle that God wants to perform in her life. Don't gather just a few. If you need a miracle in your life and you begin to gather the faith around you needed for that miracle, don't gather just a few. Don't get one person praying for you. You get a whole bunch of people praying for you. Don't just get one word in God's word about your situation. Get a whole bunch of them. Gather the faith you need for the miracle you want this morning. Many of us don't get the things we need because we hadn't gathered enough faith to access that miracle from the Lord. She is walking through house to house and with every obedient act of gathering vessels, she gives life to her faith and she gathers more and more for the miracle that is about to occur. How much faith do I need, Pastor? My question to, my answer is a question and that is how much miracle do you want? That's how much faith you need. How much miracle do you want? Because let me say this to you. When the pouring starts, the gathering ceases. When the pouring starts, I don't have time to stop in the midst of my miracle and go try to find some more faith to multiply the miracle. I have to gather the faith on the front side. I have to step out and begin to believe on the front side. And then when the pouring starts, the miracle starts happening. I don't have time to go and say, wait, just a minute. Let me go ahead and go to this person's house too and gather some more vessels. Let me go in the backyard and dig a big pond for us to pour some oil into so I have more than enough to live off of later. We need to gather enough for the miracle that we want to happen. How much faith do you need? How big of a miracle do you want? Now let's get into the heart of what I want to preach to you this morning. 2 Kings 4.4 When you have come in, go gather the vessels. When you get into your house, shut the door behind you, you and your sons, and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Set aside the full ones. At some point in the midst of your crisis... At some point in the midst of your need, in the midst of whatever circumstance you're dealing with, there is going to be a a word given to you. God will speak something into your life. He will bring somebody along that will give you a word in your life. But that word will challenge your natural understanding. It will make us question whether or not this really even makes sense or not. Has God ever asked you to do something that makes no sense at all? Right? Why am I not happy? Well, you know what? There's unforgiveness in your life. But I'm not talking about unforgiveness, God. I'm talking about being happy. I need some joy. And God leads us along a lot of times around a big circle to get us where where we want to go. So we have to step out in faith, believe Him, and trust Him. It challenges our faith. It challenges you as to whether or not you will question the very words spoken to you. 
A lot of us spend a lot of time, wasted time, questioning God instead of just obeying what he tells us to do. This lady, she says, uh, it's not recorded in scripture, but I'm just thinking about this scenario. And He says, look, pour it into those vessels, set aside the full ones. Wait, wait just a minute, Elisha. Set aside the full ones? I've got a jar of oil. There ain't going to be no full ones. When I start pouring this, it's not going to fill the first vessel. Much less these other ones. Set aside the full ones? That's what we do, right? God tells us to do something, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That will not work, God. I don't have enough money coming in to give any to the Lord. I don't have enough resources here to deal with my own problem, much less bless somebody else. I don't have enough faith, God, to even deal with my own situation, much less pray for somebody else's situation. And God all the time is saying, look, the multiplication is not your issue. That's my issue. That's my problem. That's my way. That's my miracle. What you've got to do is just pour. Just pour. Just give me what you got and I'll make it work. Two fishes, five loaves of bread taught us this lesson, right? It don't take a lot. It just takes something. And it takes a willing heart to give it. And when we get it, God multiplies it. What full ones? It's natural for us to say, I only got a jar. I don't, when I pour it, it's not going to fill up the vessel. But what we have to say is okay. That's it. Fewer words lead us to better obedience. Amen? Isn't that true? I have a lot of conversation, maybe not uh, vocally out, but a lot of conversation goes on inside my head with God. Somebody. We just need to say okay. If you look at the text, you notice the woman gives no response. She just moves in obedience. She just moves in obedience. She understands that it is not her job to feel. It's just her job to pour. Ephesians 1.22 says this. It says, And he put all things, talking about Jesus, under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. By his very nature, his omnipresent nature, he fills empty space. And so it's not a matter of his capacity, it's simply a matter of your capacity. He can fill whatever space you can create. Whatever room you can make in your life for more of God, he can fill that. He's not running out of resource. He's not struggling to fill up the, 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 the hole that you have in your life. He's not struggling to do any of that stuff. Just by his nature, he fills empty space. He fills all in all. It's his job to fill. It's my job to receive and pour. And this is my fourth point. You do the, you do the possible, he will do the impossible. You do the possible, he'll do the impossible. Listen to me, and this is because this is good this morning. You never have to have faith to do what you can't do. You only have to faith, have faith to believe He will do what you can't do. Let me say it again. You never have to have faith to do what you can't do. You only have to have faith to believe He will do what you can't do. You can't do the miracle, but He can do it. And all I have to do is believe that He can do it. Moses did not part the Red Sea. Moses raised his rod over the Red Sea, his staff over the Red Sea, and God parted the sea. 
All you have to have is faith to believe he will do what you can't. You do the possible, he'll do the impossible. So let me ask you this morning, what's God asking you to do? What is he asking you to do with your life? Where is he asking you to pour your gifts and your talent? The things that God has given you, your skills. Where is he asking you to invest those things? Because we have received these things so that we can fill empty vessels. He is asking you to set aside full ones and look for the empties. Every time they filled a pot, they set it aside and they worked with the empty one. Where are the empties in your life? The people that are desperate for something that you have. We have to have relationships with the empties of this world. The people that are struggling, the people that are in deficit, the people that don't have uh, what we have. God has blessed you. God has saved you. God has changed you. God has filled you. And you have to be willing to pour that out into somebody else's life. It's not meant for you to keep it. Give it away. Give it away and God will fill you back up again. I'm not looking for the full ones. I'm looking for the empties. We need to have some unchurched friends. We need to have some unchurched friends. You need to have somebody in your life that you intend to see saved and changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, I don't have any any unchurched friends. I, I try to live a spiritual life. Well, bless God. Hallelujah. That is wonderful. What are you going to tell your Savior when, he, when you stand before Him? And He says, what do you got to bring me? Because I'm telling you tonight, today that the only thing you're taking with you is people. That's it. He's not, you're not taking your cars. You're not taking your house. You're not taking any of that stuff. What you're taking with you is the people that you influenced and you changed their life and you brought them the things that you were full of and you poured it into them. That's what you're bringing. We need to have some unchurched friends. And I'm not, listen, you need to hear me. I'm not saying spend all your time with a bunch of rank sinners. That's not going to help you. But you need to have some friends that don't know Jesus Christ. You need to show them the love of Christ. You need to share with them the things that have changed you. And you don't have to say a word to do it. You don't have to say a single word to do it. You show them the love of Christ. You live it before them. And I promise you they'll start asking you about it. Why is it that you and your wife never throw pots at each other in the front yard? (laughs) Why is it that I never see you stumble home late at night, barely able to open the front door, and sometimes you don't make the front door? What is it about you? And then your opportunity is presented, and it's simple then. Because the relationship's already built and there's a track for the gospel to run on. Somebody say amen. That's real good. Hallelujah. Let's look at press right. <laughs> Verse 5. I've got to hurry. So, so she went from him. She shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. I love that phraseology. She poured it out. She just poured it out. Point 5 is this. Before you start pouring... Close the door to unbelief. You have spent your time gathering faith. Don't borrow just a few. You went around your neighbors. You know they're asking you, what are you doing with all these pots? 
You've had to tell them this story over and over and over again. They all think you're wacko, you're nuts. But you're walking in faith at this point. Don't let the enemy creep in in the last moments before your miracle and steal from you the faith that you've gathered up. Close the door to unbelief. He says, go inside, shut the door. Those neighbors, their question time's over. Their time of questioning what you're doing, their time of commentary is over. Jesus, before he would do miracles, oftentimes he would run people out of the house and say, I don't want to hear this while I'm trying to deal with this problem. We need to shut the door to some mouths in our life. We need to shut the door to unbelief in certain areas of our life. And we need to seal that stuff off. Get away from the people that are dragging you down. Get away from the people that are robbing you of the blessing God has in your life. If you need to make some new friends, I know some people that will be your friend. Get, get some new people around you, people that will speak life into you and faith into you and get rid of those uh, old sore heads and knot heads that don't believe God can do anything. I've deleted a lot of people on Facebook because I get sick of hearing about their terrible life. Every time you turn around there, post another status of how their life is in the tubes. I'm like, good grief. It can't be that bad. Sometimes we just need to get rid of those mouths and those things. Shut the door to those things. The widow shows us a plan. She seeks counsel from the man of God. She goes and asks him, what can I do? They formulate a plan together. So this would be a good plan for us. I can't tell you how many times I have sat in a setting where we have formulated a plan with someone who has brought a problem to me, and that's where it ends. That's a good plan, Pastor. If I followed that plan, I know God would show up and help me. But I ain't going to do it. It means changing. It means me doing things differently. It may mean me giving some things up. But I love him, Pastor. He's wonderful. Well, why are you coming to me if he's so wonderful? Amen. That's good preaching right there. They formulate a plan, then she commits to the path before her and she shuts the door behind her. We all need to do the same thing. We need to seek out what we are to do. God, show me. Send me to someone who can help me. Speak to me, God. Tell me what you want me to do. Formulate a plan. Give me wisdom. Help me to know what I should do in this situation. And then let's start gathering faith around us. Gather up some empty vessels. Not only gathering faith, but who's going to go with me in this journey? You know, God's got some big dreams for you, big plans for you, and he never meant for you to do it by yourself. I preach this often, and in the prayer time, I've been driving it home. Don't do ministry by yourself. Bring somebody with you. Your value to the kingdom is your ability to bring people with you. Oh my goodness, nobody is listening to me this morning. I said your value to the kingdom is a, your ability to bring somebody with you in this journey. Some of you are sitting here today, and I love you. I'll just say that before I say what I'm about to say. I love you. But you haven't say, seen anybody saved, 
as a result of your efforts? You haven't helped anybody transform their lives. You haven't done anything to advance the kingdom of God. All you've done is sit on the shelf and suck in whatever God's pouring out in this corporate setting and you're sitting full. We've got to pour that stuff out. God's got something fresh for you. He's got something, can I say that? He's got something better for you than what you're holding right now. And if you'll pour that out, he'll put some fresh stuff in your life. Some of you hadn't had a dream in years. Hadn't had a vision in years. Pour out that old junk and let God put some new vision and new dreams in your life. This is a season for us to do great things. To believe for great things. We need that. Philippians 2.16 says this, Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, I have not wasted my life, I have not wasted my efforts, yes, and I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. And Paul says this, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Paul says, look, I've lived my life laboring, faithfully serving the kingdom, And I have poured myself out like a drink offering. I believe my life and your life is meant to be a drink offering to the Lord. We are designed to pour ourselves out into others and before the Lord. We pour ourselves out before the Lord in worship. God, I love you. I care for you. Why is there emotion in our worship? Because we're pouring ourselves out into it. This isn't about me. Worship's not about me, it's about my God. It's about my King. It's about the gratitude and the thanksgiving that I feel for what He has done in my life. So I pour myself out. His mission's about pouring myself out into others. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring somebody with me. I'm going to pour my life into someone else. Pouring it out like a drink offering. 2 Kings 4, 6. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said... To her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. My last point this morning is the anointing is only limited by the vessel's willingness to pour and receive. If I won't pour it, it can't be multiplied. If I won't receive it, it can't be multiplied. We have to be willing to do what God's asking us to do. We have to be willing to pour our lives into somebody else. There is nothing better than bringing someone with you in this journey. It not only transforms you, uh, them, but it transforms you as well. Your life changes as a result of changing others' lives. And the only way that that makes sense to you is when you experience it, when you begin to obey, and when you begin to do the things that God's asking you. I want to Conclude with verse 7. It says, Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, Go sell, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Go sell the oil. You've got a lot of vessels here. They're full of oil now. Go sell them, pay off your debt, and now you live on the rest. She had enough faith to not only believe to deal with the problem at hand, but to deal with the problem permanently and forever. Live on the rest. God wants to use what you have to give for this world. He wants you to pour out what you have in your life for this world. Through it, He can and will do miracles that are more than enough to deal with whatever need you or this world has. 
and whatever problem you or this world has. Listen to this. He is the great debt canceller. He paid off the debt and equipped the woman to live for the rest of her life. He is the great debt canceller. He can eliminate whatever debt you have in your life. And I'm not talking just about finances. Yeah, he can do that. But he can also eliminate the moral debt that you have, the sin debt that you carry with you, the emotional debt that you have in your life. A lot of people are dysfunctional. God can deal with that. God can heal that. God can change that. God wants to do that. He is the debt canceller. No creditor has a right. The enemy as a creditor has no right to stake claim in your life as a child of God. Let God cancel that debt. Let God eliminate those deficiencies and those areas of deficits in our lives. I believe that whatever it is, God can deal with it. Finances, health, spiritual life, so forth. God can do the miraculous to eliminate those deficits. I want to ask Jennifer to come. And if you would, stand with me this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, I'm going to ask our altar workers to come forward and be prepared to pray for the needs in this service this morning. Let me ask you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, are you full and need to be poured out? Pastor, I'm that person you talked about that's been sitting on the shelf for years. Maybe you hadn't been sitting on the shelf forever, but recently you've just laid up your mantle of leadership or you've laid up the things that God has placed in your life. You've put them on the shelf and you're not pouring out into anybody. Today would be a great day for you to begin that process again. God wants to put fresh things into you, but he's got to get rid of the old things before he can do it. Do you find yourself this morning empty, and needing to be filled with his power and life? Do you find yourself in some deficits in different areas and need him to make up the difference for you? Do you have some debt on your health? God, I'm not healthy. I'm not. I'm lacking in some areas, and I need the great debt canceller to come to my rescue right now and make up the difference in my body. He is the healer, and he can heal you. Do you have debt on your spiritual life this morning? God, I'm not living it. There's something lacking in my spiritual life. I'm not close enough to you. I don't have a relationship with you. I'm not living for you. I'm not serving you. God makes up the difference. Are you struggling in finances? I got more month than I've got money. And I need some help today. God can bless you. God can equip you. God can work you out of the difficulties that you're in. Maybe it's past hurts or circumstance. It doesn't matter if it, whatever it is. God is the answer. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab.
We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say, Come to the river.